0: Hello, welcome to Boxing News' podcast, The Opening Bell. I'm Tris Dixon, uh, the editor, joined by Matt Christie. Matt, how are things? Not bad, busy
1: day. I haven't actually eaten yet today.
0: Do you know what? I was, it's funny you should say that. I just had a l- really nice lunch out there. Really? Yeah, that's, that's full good. to the brim. So so how are you? Do you know what? You shouldn't even get me started on that <laughs> this week. Um, it's been a bit of a shocking week, to be honest. I don't know if, if you guys have seen... Um, Glenn Leach's uh, editorial in Boxing Monthly is probably wh- about where I am at the minute. Um, you know what, people talk about um, the editor's job at Boxing News being like a dream job, and it is, uh, there are perks, 5% of the time it's a brilliant job, 95% uh, of the time it is really, really difficult, uh, there's a lot to do, uh, it's non-stop, um, I know all of our workloads are uh, exceptionally hefty. Um, I can't remember a, a day, a, w- um, a weekday when I did less than 14 hours. Um, I would like to try, but I can't think that far back. Um, so yeah, pretty exhausting really. And do you know, what I was thinking with Glyn, Glyn, I think he says in his editorial this week, um, and I, I spoke to Glyn yesterday, we talk from time to time, um, he was saying that, um, I think he's the longest serving editor in, or has had the longest consecutive run of, uh, uh years in, in editing boxing magazines, certainly in the UK, which might be right, because I think John Murray, who founded Boxing News, had three stints altogether at Boxing News, totaling 25 years. Uh, Harry Mullen did 19 years at the helm. Um, and then there was a few others, sort of who who were in and about in a couple of stints. I think Claude and uh, Tim Riley had 12 years each. Um, in terms of editions uh, that Glynn's put out, 20 years at or 20 plus years at 12 issues um, uh, a year. And I think I'm at five five years putting out 51 issues a year. It's taken a toll, man. I'm serious, Matt. My hair will be shorter than yours soon. That's impossible. Oh, well, I'm
1: glad I asked anyway. It's yeah, just a cheery well opening, isn't it? You sh- te- sh- tell a joke? Should <laughs> we redo it? <laughs> <laughs> knock, knock.
0: Who's <laughs> there? Man, I'm too tired to even get the bloody <laughs> door. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know, mate. I don't know anymore. All I do know, actually, on a positive note, let's uh, change things up a bit. On a positive note, I cannot wait for this weekend of fights. Yeah. There's some really cracking stuff. Uh, We've got a jam-packed issue this week. Um, A couple of noteworthy things include uh, the big preview of Ricky Burns against Terence Crawford, and we have a fascinating interview by Don McRae with Ricky Burns, uh, the rewired, unbreakable version of Ricky Burns. Uh, Really good stuff in there. Um, But, Matt, Crawford Burns this weekend... Big, big fight, isn't it? it? And Ricky is hardly in the form of his life.
1: No, considering potentially this on paper is his toughest toughest defence that he's encountered across his two reigns. He's not going into it in in peak form, is he? A couple of you know, a year or so ago, or, or perhaps a bit longer than that, when we were talking about potentially a fight against Adrian Broner, um, Ricky was coming off the back of a really impressive win against Kevin Mitchell and. And a few people were giving him a chance of, of possibly upsetting Broner, but it's it's funny now. Two two subpar performances, and the vast majority are, are favouring Crawford for this.
0: Are you favouring Crawford?
1: Probably, to be honest. Yeah, I think I am. I mean, from what I've seen of Crawford, he's uh, an impressive operator, slick boxer. We've seen Ricky have 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 problems against against that type in the past, and you know had 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 one of had had. had his bad run being just one fight and he put it right against Beltran, then then perhaps we would be saying it was an aberration. But the fact he had that he struggled twice um, is kind of giving an indication
0: that, that perhaps Ricky Burns' time at the top is coming to an end. It's um it's a tough fight to call because Crawford uh, hasn't fought away from the States and he certainly hasn't fought in uh, an environment that's going to be as hostile as, yeah. as Glasgow on Saturday
1: night. No, no, he hasn't. He's he's come come over to the UK. I don't think he's won many friends since he's been here. But um, the other side of that is that he doesn't particularly seem overawed at this point. However, it will be different when he's doing his ring walk and there will barely be um, a supporter of him in the whole arena.
0: John Simpson, John Murray on the undercard. um, Two guys who haven't really got their just dues over the years in terms of providing... Punters with value for money. Uh, John John Simpson. I mean, John Murray was a headline act for a while. uh, Had a good run with Mick Hennessy. Then he lost to Kevin Mitchell uh, and lost to Brandon Rios on a big fight in in New York. Um, John Simpson is a guy who has always seemed to be one or two fights away from a really really big fight. Um, But he's always in tough, entertaining contests. So isn't he? Yeah,
1: he is. It's not long ago that Simpson was. I think he was ranked by the IBF in the top ten, and there was talk of a world title shot. And you know, perhaps he hadn't quite done enough to to deserve that. But it would have been nice. He's one of those fighters where you think um, perhaps that, that they deserve it. Um, just services w- rendered, yeah, sort of yeah, thing. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, but yeah, to me, that's a, it's, it's a fan friendly fight. We still don't really know what's you know what you know how much more of John Murray is left. Um, he may still. His peak years may still be ahead of him, but he has had a run of tough, tough fights. But we, the jury is still out with John Murray. Um, you know, we've got an interview up on the website where he's talking about that he's got to win impressively here. You know, if he doesn't, then he can't make any more claims to 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 like world title, 20 more world title shots. And he wants to fight with Anthony Croller, which for many reasons would be a fascinating, fascinating encounter. Talking of
0: fascinating encounters, anyone who's anyone in boxing will be wide awake at about four in the morning on saturday night and all eyes will be on the alamo dome alamo dome in san antonio texas um not just to see chavez vera too um in fact far from seeing chavez, yeah. um, chavez vera too i would imagine most people will be wanting to get a glimpse of this extraordinary talent talent that's vasil lomachenko who's fighting for a world title in his second professional fight uh, depending on whether you count the WSB fights or not, against Orlando Salido, who we, o- we know all about as a tough guy, yeah. Lomachenko. I mean, if he's to pull this off against Salido, it's some feat, isn't it? It will be a huge feat, Salido. He's not. He's
1: not in any pound for pound lists. He's, um you know, he's not regarded as as one of the most talented world champions out there. But he's certainly not. He's certainly not the worst champion. He's certainly not a weak champion. Um, and full credit to Lomachenko um, for, for, for going for this fight this early in his career. If he loses, where does he go? His career could be over after two professional fights because you, you would think that if he did lose to um, Orlando Salido, it would be a punishing affair. Um, and where does he go from there? The flip side of that is you suspect that if, the f- if people were absolutely convinced that Lomachenko was going to be successful in this fight, it would not have been made.
0: It's, it is is intriguing uh looking at the main event also uh chavez vera do lightheartedly look over it because obviously vera was uh on the wrong end of a, a pretty nasty yeah. decision last year against chavez you get the feeling now that chavez will show up <laughs> you think this time and again but you should will show up this time in shape uh leave nothing to chance and and stake his claim for a big meaningful fight. At 168 pounds, where he's ranked number one by the WBC. Extraordinarily, having never fought at the weight, um, we can go back to that in a minute yeah. or a bit later on. But um, Chavez Vera, you know what? For all the criticism Chavez gets, and he gets it, and he deserves it, he can fight, and he's a lump at the weight. He's got a good chin. He he sticks around. He's durable, and I'm. I mean, I I don't like him or dislike him, don't know him personally, but I think that last round with Sergio Martinez, I think that was, that was the, 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 one of the most mesmerizing things I've seen in 10 or 15 years of boxing. I think there was, I think there's only two times, I think I remember leaping out of my seat involuntarily at home, uh, in boxing in the last few years, certainly since, uh, joining the staff at Boxing News back in 2007. Two million issues ago. <laughs> um <laughs> th- but this uh but this fight, uh um Chavez and Martinez, sorry, that last round was just amazing. And you know, the guy can't be that bad if he's giving Sergio Martinez nightmares in the twelfth round of a title fight, especially after he taken mm. and paced him for eleven rounds. So credit where it's due. He should have too much for Vera. Where he goes from there will be interesting whether or not they're gonna sort of or shoe ho- shoehorn him down the Andre Ward route, which is a fight that's been talked about. Ward's told us before he, he likes that fight because it's a pay-per-view fight. So we'll see. I mean, I don't think he's he's anywhere near Ward's league. But talking about super middleweights, though, Matt, um, James DeGale, boxes in Bristol. Now, I don't want to ask you the conventional stuff. You know, we've got the preview in the magazine. James DeGale, is he ready to fight Carl Froch or George Groves the winner? Yeah. And you say that based on...
1: I'm not um, disagreeing by the, b- the way i'm just no i just i just think he is what, what he's okay he hasn't got a um a top 10 guy He hasn't beaten a top 10 guy but neither had george groves with the p- perhaps the exception of james de gale that fight that fight was nip and took i watched it again recently the james gale george groves fight you can make an argument that De gale won that you can make an argument that groves deserved the decision um de gale i don't think he's regressed since then i think perhaps he's he's found motivation tricky but he's pretty much dominated everybody with the exception of uh, the guy that he fought for the European title in the immediate fight after Groves. Um, but to me, DeGale has got bags of bags of talent. I think he's one of those guys that you will see if he was to get a world title fight up his game to something we hadn't seen before.
0: Okay. Interesting. There's a rematch um, further afield. Arthur Abraham, Robert Stieglitz this weekend. Um, Stieglitz won last time where he, he caused Abraham's eye to close. Uh, was peppering him with, sh- with shots, really. Um, Abraham never found his top form at um, super middleweight, really. Um, how do you see it going? I mean, with the,
1: with what happened in the last fight, and that last fight, by the way, was massive. You know, It was a shock to me. Not the fact that Stieglitz won it, but just the manner in which he did. Uh, he really t- went out and bossed it, didn't yeah, he? yeah. Um but yeah, I think you've got you've got to favour Stieglit on uh, you know, if, if the evidence is the most recent fight they've they've had and that is you know y- you'd have to favour Stieglitch but kind of going back to James DeGale, I would pick James DeGale over both of those guys.
0: Okay, interesting. Okay. Um Okay, action this week. We had a there was a f- there was a fun, fun show in um Hull last weekend. Um <laughs> What? No there was, yeah. I w- I
1: was I was laughing in acknowledgment of my memories. Of what a great time I had watching it!
0: I thought you were about to say what a great time you had last weekend. Uh, <laughs> we're not even going to go down that road. <laughs> um, and it, w- it saw Curtis Woodhouse uh, crowned uh, British champion after um, upsetting Darren Hamilton. Great story. You spoke to Curtis this week?
1: Yeah, he was understandably still on cloud nine when I spoke to him. Um, it's a it's 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 a wonderful wonderful story. Um, Curtis Woodhouse that he set out to do this, the promise he made to his dad while his dad was on his deathbed um and everything else. And the amount of times that he has been written off along the way. Um and he thought, you know, we thought he'd found his level several times when he lost to Journeyman when Derry Matthews stopped him in four rounds. And I must admit I thought that this would be a fairly routine defence for Darren Hamilton. Um and Woodhouse, he was impressive, but it was a really, really, really close fight. But there is a part of me now that hopes that that Woodhouse does, ca- you know, g- he promised he's going to retire um, in the aftermath, in the lead up. Um, when he spoke to me on Monday, he was still adamant that, that retirement was the option. And that would be a perfect, perfect story. But boxing is not littered with perfect stories.
0: Give me um, uh, a taste of what he was saying uh, or w- what people can find in the interview that you did with him online. So it's a, it's a longer piece. Tell me, so, so, two, what are the two highlights? Um,
1: f- it was quite funny. He was talking about, um, about the preparation he'd done. He'd been sparring with Andy Lee, he'd been sparring with Nathan Cleverly. Um, he felt great. And then 10 days before the fight, he got in with, um, bantamweight Ross Birkinshaw. And, uh, within about 10 seconds of that spar, um, Birkinshaw, I think, he said caught him with a left or a right hook. And immediately, um, Woodhouse's eye was almost swollen shut. And he was concerned. That the fight would be cancelled, would be called off at the last moment because of that. Um, the way he told the story was a lot better than I'm doing now. <laughs> a lot more <laughs> enjoyable. Um, but hopefully, you'll get to s- you'll get a flavour of what he was like if you read the piece because I did I did transcribe it word for word the whole interview. which what is What about this? Moment. Do you
0: think Woodhouse has had enough credit this week? What? Do you think Woodhouse <laughs> has had enough credit?
1: Enough credit? Yeah, on his phone. Oh, I see. Uh yeah, no, that was something else as well. That was something else <laughs> al- which was funny because we were chatting away and then the kind of the, the line the line went dead. Um and I phoned him back about two minutes later and he'd actually run out of credit. And the thing is, the amusing thing about that is that just just before the line went dead, he was telling me that money was not an option. You know, if somebody offered him a million pounds, he doesn't need a million pounds. He wouldn't f- He wouldn't come back out of retirement <laughs> for that. But <laughs> although he doesn't need it, he still hasn't got enough money
0: to, to keep his phone in credit. Okay. Um, funny, you mentioned Ross Birkenshaw. I was going through some of my old boxing stuff on Saturday night, um, <coughs> digging out pictures for a book I'm working on, and I found a um, boxing program from one of my amateur fights, and I think it was, it was either one in 98 or one in 2000, and it was down in... Um, Devon, and Ross Berkenshaw was on the same bill. Right, okay. Yeah. And um, uh, John Fuchs was on that show as well. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I digress. Uh, also in Hull, um, Tommy Coyle uh, was involved in an absolute thriller with Daniel Brezella. Um It was a really controversial ending, given what went before. Uh, referee Steve Gray called a halt. Um, and both guys have been right through the mill, and Brazuela wasn't in as bad a shape as I think Coyle was in in the fifth or sixth round, whatever it was. He was really damaged mm. by body shots. Um, what's your take on the fight? Full stop, really, rather than the, the rather than the stoppage per se. It's brilliant fight, brilliant fight.
1: You know, take my hat off to to both guys for performing and going above and beyond what the vast majority of us could. Um, but. You know, I've, I said it about the George Groves um, Carl Frotch fight. You know, people were kind of putting that fight and, r- and rating it as one of the best in British in British history. But when you have an ending that's so unsatisfactory, it takes some of the gloss off what came before. And to me, it was it's that kind of situation with this Tommy Coyle fight. I don't want to take anything away from Tommy Coyle because the way he rebounded from body shots particularly um, was extremely impressive. But the I d- I d- the ending left a, a sour taste.
0: Yeah, you're right. I think... Um, uh, I don't know why th- hadn't there hasn't been more made of that ending, though. Because it was close on the scorecards as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm not sure. I'm not sure, but it's... You don't want to say it's a hometown thing or anything like that, but you can understand why somebody from the outside, at who's not who's not from this country looking in, would, would, would take that as, as, as a controversial If finish. you were
0: to flip it, and that was Tommy Coyle and it was stopped, it yeah. would be an outrage. Yeah, of
1: course um, it would. Of course so it would.
0: Difficult to see... Uh, um, I mean, it would be nice for them to do it again, but obviously, Coyle straight away was shouting about Kevin Mitchell, and uh, who wouldn't want to see that as well? Although, you know, Kevin Mitchell—I know a few people think Kevin's a level or two above Tommy Coyle, but we've seen it before. Kevin Mitchell, who's meant to be or who can box smoothly and can box nicely, sometimes gets drawn into a tear-up, and that's what Tommy Coyle does—he drags people in. Yeah,
1: you would. You would have to favour. You would have to favour Mitchell. Um, but yeah, no, to, tom, Tommy Coyle. He's. I'm not, I'm not sure he's, he's, he's going to get to world level. It'd g- be foolish if anybody to write him off with what he's achieved so far. But, you know, let's uh, let's also not forget that that was a punishing fight, a really, really punishing fight, which somewhere along the line will have an effect. And also the Derry Matthews knockout in the final round was a pretty horrific a pretty horrific ending, and you do wonder if, if these sort of things will have an effect on Tommy Cole moving forward.
0: How long you can keep going to the well and so yeah, forth. Yeah, exactly. Um, yesterday I watched um, Frank Warren's show um, and I saw Tony Conquest uh, beat Daniel Aman, and I saw Chris Eubank Jr. Uh, Conquest uh, boxed quite well. Um, he's now the Commonwealth light heavyweight champion. Um, I would like to see him uh, have a rematch with Dawson. Yeah. Um, I think that that. F- that f- but I think or oh sorry, I did say light heavyweight, it's cruiserweight champ. Yeah. Um, I'd like to see him have a rematch with with Dawson. Um, who's got who's got who's got a title defence coming yeah. up, is it John Lewis Dickinson yeah. later on in the month? Um so the winner of that I'd like to see Conquest have a go at. Um and you know, as a guy who came up with uh, Eubank, Ben, all those guys, you know, there's it's an involuntary reflex when the hairs go up on the back of your neck, but I still get that watching mm. Eubank Jr. Mm. strut down the ring to simply yeah, the best, Yeah. vaulting over the top rope and stuff. You know, you can't you can't control that stuff. Um, and Eubank Jr. wasn't... Um, he didn't deliver emphatically in the ring, um, but he certainly got the job done, and there was enough there to think there could be some real talent. There's just no need to rush the guy. He's thirteen and 0, um, eight stoppages. They're talking about maybe a British title fight next year, and I think by then he'll be what twenty and 0 if all yeah, goes to yeah. plan this year. And that's probably about where he needs to be. Yeah, I agree, I agree. I think he has got a lot of talent. It's still far
1: too far too early, far too early to say how far he'll go. But you mentioned the standing on the back of the neck, I was there and he made his debut on a Tyson Fury under Cardinals ringside for that. And you know, it was completely surreal because I think on that night he was also wearing the gold trunks. Um, and it was, it was bizarre. It was bizarre to see it, but he's going, he's gi got a different, you can see a lot of mannerisms, a lot of things that he does similar to his dad, but he's also got his own style. Um, I think he'd be a handful for, for a lot of, of people at British level in his weight class. Um, but I'm certainly not
0: thinking that he's gonna rule the world just yet. His dad had a granite chin. And he could also take someone out with one punch. Eubank Jr. showed he can take a shot, but albeit not from a top, top-level guy. But he's not putting away guys with his own clear shots, which no. his dad was doing at this stage. So, um, you know, it's. C- but then again, I think his combinations are a bit smoother than his dad's. And so he's so in some ways, he's a little bit more developed. In other ways, yeah. he's sort of behind the yeah. curve. So... Um, he is his own man, and strange given the mannerisms and the similarities with ring walks and the things that they they set out to achieve, uh, very different, but albeit you know in in marginal ways as as you choose to look at it. Um, I also actually watched on uh, Friday night. I watched Mickey heliot show on Eurosport. Right. Okay. And um, there was some really good action, and there was a couple of crunching knockouts on there as well. Um, JJ McDonough scored a pretty spectacular, uh, knockout of Michael Nerioda, Um, and then there was a German boxer on there. Um, Arthur Herman, who beat Norbert's, uh, Seekers. Um, and that was a, a, a crunching knockout as well. So, uh, really, really, you know, c- you know, when you, when you watch boxing on TV, you kind of want the highlight real stuff. And yeah. Mickey certainly got it on that yeah, big yeah. show on Eurosport. Um elsewhere in the issue we've got stuff about um that we've got the third part of Nigel Collins' brilliant series on Bernard Hopkins. Um if you could have been ringside anywhere for any Hopkins fight in history, which, which fight would you have been at? It's got, I mean the obvious one is Felix
1: Trinidad. Um I think because it was in such an emotional time for for America as well. Um and just just that, you know, Hopkins was not Expected to do what he did, Felix Trinidad was thought to be, you know, on a, a one way ticket to greatness. Some would argue that he still managed it despite the loss to Hopkins. Um, it was an unforgettable performance, but for me, m- I think my favourite Bernard Hopkins moment was, was when he, when he dominated Kelly Pavlik in 2008 or 2009. Um, brilliant, brilliant performance from Bernard Hopkins. And that was on the, coming off the back of, um, the loss to Joe Calzaghi, where many felt, and I think Freddie Roach actually went on record as saying, "Right, no, it's time for Bernard to retire now." Um, and, he t- and let's not forget what ke- the, the the reputation that Kelly Pavlik went into that fight with. Okay, it wasn't as high as Felix Trinidad's, but he wasn't that far behind either. Um, he was in the pound for pound list of the vast majority, um, and he was. Many people were predicting that he'd be the first to stop Bernard Hopkins, um, and since then Bernard Hopkins, with the exception of that loss to to um,
0: Chad Dawson has is, is almost remained on that level. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I you mentioned the Trinidad fight. I was there. I wasn't ringside. I was up in the nosebleeds with uh, Matthew Saad Mohammed, former light heavyweight yeah. champion of the world. It was quite possibly one of my most emotional nights at ringside for a number of reasons. So uh, happy to give an early plug to the book because it's in there. Um, but, uh, yeah, well, I mean, it was an amazing night, an amazing performance from Hopkins from a guy who... who um, is a master craftsman a master in the art of boxing uh who used all of Trinidad's strengths deflected them against himself yeah. uh and it was it was entertaining from start to finish you don't say that about too many hopkins fights either no um and funny enough Trinidad and Pavlik neither of them were the same again after after no. meeting hopkins which you know, there's no uh, no bad feat from hopkins for sure and ironically Hopkins has announced this week that he's going to be fighting Shumanov in April. And two months later, Trinidad goes into the hall of fame. Yeah, yeah. So where uh, Hopkins won't Hopkins won't be inducted into the hall of fame for a long, long time now. Because you need to be retired five yeah. years. And he's talking about a unification fight early next year when he turns fifty, isn't he? It is. It's crazy. It's crazy to
1: think. You know, logic would tell you that at some point he is going to start. You know, performing as 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 someone of his age should do. Um, he's certainly slowed down but he remains a world class champion one of the f- one of the finest fighters out there um and he's, as you say he's not the most thrilling fighter to watch but you get a certain level of appreciation that you don't get when you're watching other fighters
0: yeah definitely definitely i mean the respect for him is enormous isn't it like yeah. universal in boxing um people don't have bad things to say about hopkins the fighter uh, they just uh, you know the the level of respect for what he's doing and what he continues to achieve is is right up there. Um, so you had a really interesting morning this morning. Let's try and inject a bit of life into this, man. Yeah, Cause you're dragging me down. Well, I'm, I am. I'm I'm
1: a bit drained. I haven't I haven't eaten. Have t- I mentioned that? <laughs> <laughs> oh <my laughs> and God. people might think it's like nine o'clock in the morning. It's not. It's like four o'clock in the afternoon. Okay. And right. I've I've been up since about half five.
0: Oh, yeah, Okay. <laughs> I'll da- uh, down download a violin <laughs> app on the iPad <laughs> in a minute for you. Um okay, so a couple of things. Yeah. You were with uh r- listeners will be will be uh, interested to know, I'm sure that you were with none other than uh, Maurizio Suleiman this morning, uh the new head of the WBC, Don the 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 son of the late Don Jose. Um Maurizio, um I actually have high hopes for Maurizio Suleiman. I've uh, met him a few times uh, over the years in Las Vegas. Uh, most recently, it was before uh, Mayweather-Canelo actually met. Oh, god! It was god. <laughs> it was <laughs> the it was show called the One, right? It was last year. Really? And, uh, Big fight was it? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's tipped you right over the edge, <laughs> isn't it? Um, yeah, it was. Sh- it was last year, and. Um, Anyone who reads the magazine and I did a big piece on uh, depression and I met with Maurizio about that. And he's really enthused about trying to do something um, for the good of boxers about depression and, and trying to help fighters who suffer with it. I was really encouraged by our talks. Um, and tell me, what did you get out of your time with Maurizio today?
1: You got a lot. I really did. I mean, we spoke solidly for an hour, just under a couple of minutes, just under an hour. And I tried to pose a lot of the questions that, um, you know, the people listening to this would want to be posed. Um, I mean, you know, he is hes a good guy to talk to. At the same time, he's head of a governing body. He knows if there's a question he doesn't like, he knows how to answer them. There was a question that I asked about Julio Cesar Chavez, and I did try and phrase it differently, three separate occasions, um, in order to, to get the answer that, that I wanted. Um, but he... but. I mean, I don't want to take... Why he's in. ranked number one Why by the WBC one at super middleweight. Yeah, you know when he has never fought there. Um, you know, and he, he, gonna, he, he said that he was a former WBC middleweight champion. As we know, he was ordered to fight Rubio, um, but he could no longer make the weight. He was suspended for a while as well. Um, and then he made it clear that he wanted to be... He was going to campaign at super middleweight. Therefore, the WBC put him in their super middleweight rankings um I believe at number four or five. Um George Groves then made his intentions clear that he was going to challenge Carl Froch for the IBF and WBA belts. Therefore Groves lost his mandatory rating with the WBC and I was told that as really by default Chavez has moved up the rankings um to number one. Um, Suliman accepted um my comment that you know, how can you have somebody at number one in a division when he's never fought there? Um, but he wasn't immediately on his computer altering the rankings <laughs> in
0: front of <laughs> me. That would have been a result. <laughs> yeah, hey, that wouldn't have been a result. Let me just go through these uh, rankings with <laughs> you. Uh, yeah, okay. Well, it did say, I mean, guys, look out for uh, Matt's interview with Mauricio, which will be coming up in the magazine in the next few weeks. It does sound like uh, Matt put a lot of the uh, major questions to him. Uh, and he certainly opened up lines of communication for ourselves and Richo moving forwards. Um, so there might be a time where we actually even have him on the podcast. Um, so that will be interesting. Just in closing, Matt, last subject. Yes. Um, I know that you're getting a little bit peckish. <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Floyd Mayweather. I know we've talked about it in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, um, he's made his choice. He's fighting Marcus Maidana May the third. Likely 98% sure. A c- good a good source in America said 98% sure it's going to Vegas. There's a two percent chance it goes to the Barclays Center in New York. Who are desperate for it. Doesn't look like it's going to go there. Still, Mayweather Maidana is on. Is on. Are you licking your lips at the prospect of that fight? No, I'm not.
1: I'm not. I'm not really. Um, And that's probably, you know, you don't want to knock Marcus Maidana, what he's done recently. You can make a case that he deserves it. He's beaten Adrian Broner, you know, the supposed heir apparent. But the reason I'm not looking forward to it that greatly is because there's very few fighters out there um, that you sense could give Floyd Mayweather a really good fight. Marcus Maidana is not one of them. He's had his hands forward with some average fighters, hasn't he? yeah he Floyd yeah he has he has um and you know recently i think back to the devon alexander fight and alexander has gifted his he years he's no floyd mayweather um maydana is still yet to convince me that he's a fully fledged welterweight um mayweather has been at that weight and above for a number of years now um you sp- can't you can't question maydana's punch okay so he's got a puncher's chance you need more than a puncher's chance when you're going in against Floyd
0: Mayweather. You say you can't question his punch. I haven't got the stats in front of me, but I've got a feeling you can question his punch maybe as a welterweight. Yeah, yeah, no, that's I'm fair. not sure he's brought up the same firepower. Do you know what? I think, you know, I, d- I don't really want to get this political, particularly after the, the note that we um, started off on. Um, politics of, of, of do drain you in this sport substantially, but... This is the way I... Dream scenario. You put Kell Brook against Amir Khan on in a stadium in the UK. You put Matisse and Maidana on in a stadium in Argentina. You televise them, put them on the same bill, televise them together, one after the other. The winner of Maidana Matisse, fights the winner of Brook and Khan. And then the winner of that gets Mayweather at the end
1: yeah in an ideal world that'd be brilliant wouldn't it wouldn't that be nice I mean that that, that if, if if that's the way the boxing worked uh, it would be a better sport there's absolutely no denying it um you say you know you we have
0: got to be careful to kind of steer clear of politics a little bit because it's a murky area well it's not even that I mean the theme of the podcast is that we really stick to the boxing yeah exactly it? Yeah.
1: exactly it would be yeah that, w- that would be that would be an, an ideal scenario um but for me, the way that m- the, that Mayweather has gone about this whole thing, I- you know, it's hard not to have some sympathy for Amir Khan. I know he's got his haters, Amir Khan, but the way this this whole thing was conducted by Floyd Mayweather, it's just it's kind of smacks a little bit of like WWE tomfoolery, and I don't I don't <laughs> like that. And even even when you've got even on the Monday night, I think it was, or possibly Tuesday, whenever it was, when we've got this big announcement, Leonard Ellerby is okay. Everybody stand by, and then. For the next hour and a half, you've got Floyd Mayweather posting uh, various stuff. various things to his shots account or his Instagram account, and you know it wasn't it wasn't really I- it wasn't funny. It wasn't, but but Mayweather <laughs> can Mayweather can <laughs> do this. He's <laughs> spoken
0: like a real man. He was <laughs> staying <laughs> up till one thirty to put the story up on the website. The uh, <laughs> you know,
1: you know, it's it was it, uh, it, it was frustrating. Maybe. It <laughs> Maybe, maybe my ribs would have been smashed if it was one in the afternoon as opposed to one in the morning. Maybe I'd have found all that hilarious, <laughs> but um, yeah, I, d- I didn't. And I just think it's just I- I- to me this this whole thing has left a, a slightly, a slightly bitter taste.
0: I think the w- the way this has left left the bitterest taste for me is Mayweather was so sort of you guys decide who I fight, and then they decide through the poll that you choose and he doesn't listen and he fights someone else. He fights the guy that doesn't win the poll. That's the main thing that I don't understand. It's like, why even bother giving anyone the choice if you're gonna do something else entirely?
1: Well, exactly, and I think you made the point perfectly in the blog that we posted um, the day after the announcement, um, in that perhaps Khan, by kind of, you know, alluding to the fact that he'd already got the fight by telling various people that he'd signed a contract, Mayweather thought, "Well, hang on, you're not, you're not announcing this. This is, this isn't. This, this is for me to do. I'll show you what I'm going to do. I'm going to fight the guy that you just beat in the poll, and the guy that you beat in the ring three years ago. Um, perhaps, maybe that's. The we, I mean, you can't get inside the mind of Floyd Mayweather. Big fan of Floyd Mayweather, by the way, with what how what he does in the ring. Brilliant, brilliant fighter. Um, but this whole thing, just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of ready to move on now. Okay." I'm ready to move on from this. B- I'm presuming, Mayweather whether he's going to win a decision. Um, probably 120, 108 across the board. Let's move on and see what happens next. I think some food happens next, doesn't it? <laughs> <that?
0: laughs> <laughs> OK, all right, guys. We're going to let Matt off the hook now. Uh, Matt, thanks for joining me, as always. Um, hopefully, we'll be back um, together again next week. Um, I know the podcast will be out next week. We might have a special guest we'll have to see. Um, in the meantime, thanks for joining us. I hope you've enjoyed it. There's been a, a lot covered today. Um, if you've got any questions for us in the meantime, by the way, if you do hashtag BN opening bell, uh, we'll try and get them answered next week too. Uh, until next time, thanks a lot.